the higher you go up, the less people will tell you when you make a mistake. And I say, please, I want you guys to tell me when I mess up. The hardest thing is to get someone to tell you the real thing. From Spa Dameron Tenney, it's the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Real stories, real inspiration, real growth. A show for doctors who are ready to improve their overall wellness in every aspect of life. Now here's your host, Shane Tenney. All right, welcome back. I am Shane Tenney. Glad to have you with us on this episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast. When we think about 2020 and the year that is behind us, there are a lot of words that I know come to mind. Unprecedented is probably the one I heard the most. Bizarro, stressful, crazy. A lot of other words that I won't say out loud here on the show. And we know, you know, that physicians, dentists in particular, found themselves in the epicenter of both the healthcare crisis of the COVID pandemic and the financial upheaval of the economy, practice shutdowns, uncertainty over incomes, and even your own healthcare. But we also know that there were a lot of bright spots during the storm. And today we're gonna highlight one of those. It's a scenario that I think some of you might listen to and say, well, that sounds lucky, but I would draw on one of the best definitions I've heard for luck, and that is when preparedness meets opportunity. So today, I'm talking with the uh, dynamic duo, husband-wife duo of Heather and Scott Pavial. Scott is a dermatologist, owner of Pavial Dermatology in Charlotte, North Carolina. Heather is an interior designer with a special affinity for healthcare spaces, and they both have a real passion for leadership, vision, culture, coaching. The last 12 months have brought some tremendous professional change and opportunity for their dermatology practice, but it's also opened up tremendous personal opportunity and challenge for their marriage or working together for building something new. We're going to cover kind of the facts of their story in the first half of the show and the feelings of the story in the second half of the show. Scott, Heather, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us. What an intro. Thank you, Shane. Well, you know, we got to lay down our A game for you guys. So (laughs) yeah. So uh, 2020 was a big year for you. I know when we were talking over the last couple of months, I couldn't believe kind of how it unfolded for you guys. Before I ask you to unpack the story, though, what's the word that comes to mind as you think on last year and what it meant to you guys? For me, honestly, I would say God or universe, you know, whatever is accessible to you. For me, it was just a complete opening of possibilities that I had thought about and Heather and I had talked about numerous times about better situations for us and it just all came together and yes yeah, so just very very much so in line with that all right so i would say silver linings or oddly satisfying <laughs> uh, both of which are two words just to be clear <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't put heather in a box no box is refuses to be in box all right so we'll pivot off silver linings what happened take us back to maybe the beginning of COVID and just where you were professionally, Scott, mentally, emotionally, that sort of thing. Yes. So Heather and I moved in together after I finished residency at University of Michigan. We were in a long distance relationship. My entire residency got married out of residency and then joined a practice that was already successful at the lake in Mooresville, where I started as a fresh dermatologist, a young dermatologist and worked really hard over the next six years and built the practice a lot with conversations with Heather and a lot that I call it my medlife crisis occurred 
during that time where kind of did all the things that I've wanted to do, paid off loans, built a practice, brought on a PA, built incrementally from a patient base and a monetary standpoint year after year after year. Then boom, COVID happened. In the middle of that, I got a letter in the mail while I sat at my desk at Mooresville. It was an independent dermatologist retiring two minutes from our house in Charlotte. And prior to that, I was commuting about an hour and a half a day. And that was kind of the, the spark that everything flowed from. And out of curiosity, I realize I don't even know from our prep conversation, had he sent the letter out to any and all dermatologists in the area? Was this a huge net? So okay. yeah, I'll give, I'll give a little more seasoning to that. So I had earlier in the year, both had a conversation with Heather about maybe finding a place or starting a new place closer to home and also prayed to have something. So I said, I don't know how, but I need some space created where that can happen. And I kind of gave up the control over it. And yeah, so this Dr. Schubach, sent a letter to all the local dermatologists. I never hadn't really heard of him. And the letter said, I'm retiring in the middle of a COVID pandemic. He's an older doctor. He's 77. And he was trying to sell his equipment. So my front desk brought this letter to me and I Googled him just because I actually thought we might need equipment at our office. And I realized it was two minutes from our house and actually across the street from one of my best friends who's a Mohs surgeon. So I literally like called Heather that day. And she was like, you need to call him like right now. <laughs> Wait, did you call him or did you, did you call Heather? I said, if you don't have time to call, I will gladly call. So but, I, yeah, I called but he, him. He was like, no, 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 I got it. I'll do it on lunch break. She made the subsequent call to Sweet B's position as we go down the road and got the neighboring suite that we're going to expand into. Okay. So, so stay with the story there. So you said, I'm just struck because I, I don't want to miss the opportunity, which is we all have to remember where we were in March of 2020, yeah, which was, you know, yeah. it was DEFCON 4 on CNN. Nobody understood what COVID was, how contagious it was, and everybody in any sort of touchy practice, whether it's uh, down in the mouth like a dentist or a dermatologist, <laughs> was imminently facing the requirement to shut down. And you well, got a letter. Like closing their office for a week on and off with one, because he had a partner at Mooresville, one physician would be in the office and the other would take off. I mean, it was a very awkward time. No one knew what was going on and they were still able to be open, but he had limited the number of patients he was able to see at that time. But before COVID kind of like broke out to where it was really affecting everybody, I would say he had just casually had said, I, I would like to be in a new space by August. And I was like, <laughs> nobody starts a brand new business. Number one in eight months and number two in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Visibly upset with me. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't it like actually make any sense right now. But okay. And then a few weeks later he received the he just screenshotted the letter, like, <laughs> took a picture of it and texted me it. And I was like, this is not serious. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't I literally couldn't believe it. But so then he called them. And it all sounds great now, but I I mean we were coming off easily our best year at Mooresville. Easily. I mean, I wasn't even accepting new patients. We were doing planning for a cosmetic expansion downstairs with construction, adding several staff, and now looking at, okay, yeah, short commute, but like, whoa, total restart. And he was already limiting the people that he was seeing at Mooresville. Yeah, couldn't even mm-hmm. accept the patients. So I called Dr. Schubach 
And he answered and I said, you know, what are you doing with your patients? And he said, I'm about one day away from sending a letter to them with three dermatologists who I recommend. I love my patients dearly. I've had this practice for 44 years. And I said, well, you know, would you consider not sending that letter for a week and maybe see if we can make this happen? And so I, I joke and I say, you know, he sent the letter out. He didn't think anyone would be dumb enough to take over the practice and over the pandemic. And, and yet he found you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So over the course of that next, I mean, you, I'm struck by the fact that that is the exact sort of thing that it would have been so easy had you all not been clear about your own goals and desires yeah. and wishes to say, there's no way we can do this. Like there's too much uncertainty. There's too much fear. We were just crushing it up here. I'd rather drive an hour and have a practice that's thriving than take over. But instead, because you've been clear about your own thinking and goals, when this letter came across, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I had been saying. I would give Heather 100% credit on this in that I probably wouldn't. I, I am much more risk averse and she had prepared me and, and felt very strongly and supported me for many years to put me in that position where I felt comfortable doing that because it meant we had just moved into a new house. I put my heart and soul into the current practice. And, you know, I'm very attached to the staff there and, and very proud of what I did. And I've always wanted to leave places better than when I started. I believe that I did that. So that was very calming for me. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit both amazing and terrifying and maybe not the smartest thing to do. And we had to make significant sacrifices because of that as well. And so over, I mean, I think pretty quickly you came to the realization, okay, he wants to sell. We would like to buy, like, let's do this. And then I think you ended up doing a site tour and realizing, having some epiphanies with a little bit of Heather's, your skill and, and vision and perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I realized how bold of a move that was until you just laid it all out. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had talked about things in years leading up to that and we were just both in a prepared place, like you were saying. But when we visited the site, it literally was built in 1985 and they had paper records. And I don't mean just a few, 14,000 of them. And there was one room just for deceased patients. And there was Charged, all these- different- not the bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And I immediately was like, we yeah. need to acquire the next side of this building because you're not going to be able to, you're going to burst at the seams here. And I made a whole map plan of like a whole bunch of like moves that we could make over the next few years. And I just have had a vision for him and for like the things that we've discussed in terms of how we could, he is so adamant on changing healthcare and he will do a wonderful job with that. And I have the touch of like, how can we actually do this in humanized experience within the facility itself and like the ways that you go about it. And so it just seemed like a great opportunity in space just to see what we could do within a, still yet another framework. We can't just bulldoze the building and start over. We're still working within constraints, which I think empowers creativity ultimately. Yeah. So that was kind of the other thing. It was about, you know, my office was 5,000 that I shared with Dr. Simon was 5,000 square feet and a plan to expand to another 3,000. Downstairs. Yeah. And then this office was 1,500 square feet. And he was so excited about it. He was like, this is perfect. I don't need anything else. I'm going to do this. Yeah, this is how I see true. it. And I was just standing there watching him and I was like, he has no idea. Yeah. I how many to... square, like what, what's going on here? But it was, it was fun. Meaning she immediately knew that we need more space you yep. know, at some point, but I was just like, let's get, this is a sign, you know, I'm fired up. And she had 
a little bit more situational awareness mm-hmm. from a property standpoint. I kind of knew the people and she knew the space and the business flow more. He's actually never even spoken in the position that sold us the left side. Because what you're referring, just to help explain it for everyone, you ended up realizing we need more space. I think Scott, you said, okay. And then Heather, you basically just cold called the other suite owner, the kind of the adjacent space. He was actually took my call on a 10 mile bike ride. (laughs) And you just took my call and he's like, yeah, what's up? You know, and we had a few conversations and I just like let him share what was going on with that facility. And then he's a, I, he's, he is a physician and he owns multiple practices and this is a pediatrician's office. And they had felt COVID like more seriously in terms of like volume. Finally, he said, I would be interested in selling at some point. And I gave it like a few days and I called him back and I was like, what about like now? Is this a good time? And he was wonderful. He was very easy to work with. And it was a really good transition. The physicians there and the staff there were able to move to another location. And then we acquired the bright yellow Mm -hmm. left side of this facility. And I'll add a little flavor to that. So my group, Piedmont Healthcare, doesn't deal in real estate at all. So they just write leases to wherever spaces you occupy. And they're one of the reasons that I could move so quickly because they Mm -hmm. are responsible for IT. And that's, again, I was on the phone a bajillion times over this week, basically, of deciding, seeing if Piedmont was comfortable taking me to Charlotte. And anyway, so we had to purchase the building, which I I need to call my financial planners to figure out that's a smart move. But so I negotiated with Dr. Schubach for that to be able to get the space because he wanted to sell. And then she negotiated separately without... That doc even talking to me, she got a much better rate because we were like, we need to close on the left side before they find out what I paid for the right side, which was too much. And then so she got a way better deal on the left side and we closed at the same time with two different owners. So they never found out who paid for what. It is a great story. As I've reflected on it, was kind of thinking about our session. And that's why I opened with, I think, a great quote, which is, in some ways, it sounds lucky. And, and there is an element of things in life which are timing, but it's, it's, the, it's being prepared when the opportunity presents. And then, I mean, I'd punctuate your point, Heather, which is just ask. What's there to lose by just asking? Whether they'll be willing to sell or whether they'll sell for this price or whether they'll be, if you don't ask, you don't know. Talk a little bit about the... I guess just the early challenges. I mean, because we're laughing about it now a year in, in reverse or a year past, but there were challenges. I mean, moving, setting up shop after you've come off your best year, you got staff, you got a 14,000 patient records, a, a whole room for the deceased <laughs> records. Was there a, oh, darn moment? No, oh, I don't know. You could speak first, maybe on that. I probably have five other moments. Well, I immediately felt bad for the staff that had to scan all of those mm-hmm. 14,000 documents yeah, about in. three weeks. Of it took them three weeks. But early on, well, the humidity in the office was extremely high. <laughs> the HVAC was questionable. There were multiple <laughs> el- physical elements of the building that were <laughs> interesting. There was a leak within the first month. And I was like, wow, this is so fun. You cut down a couple of trees <laughs> under the cover of darkness to yeah. avoid the HOA. Oh, great. And... I don't know. I think that it was like, we just went in and I think there was a moment for both of us where we were like, wow, we just bit off a huge chunk of something that we weren't really anticipating. And it's funny to hear people tell me about their 2020 because they're like, it was so, I watched I read all these books and I watched all these movies and it was so restful. 
And I was like, rest. So we don't do that very well, apparently. We just buckled down and got the office ready to start open as quickly as possible. And we wanted it to be welcoming. And I don't know what was some other things. I really wanted to be intentional about, I really felt like it was a very unique opportunity to have staff buy-in from the beginning. And my talk to them was, you've got a chance to be a part of a new practice DNA that has existing patients, but you guys are scrubbing some of the walls, scanning the charts. I'm willing to involve, you know, my, my wife is involved in this. And it's kind of like a startup mixed with an established practice with Piedmont. So it was a really nice blend of things. But yeah, I think the thing that always gave us confidence, and at least me confidence, is I know we'll, what, that we have skills. And if you do things, if you do right by people, I know if I'm in the room and I'm doing right by the patient, you can't lose that. So that's how I ground myself when things get scary. Or I remember how good Heather is at design. And I just know how talented my team is. And that's very grounding for me because, yeah, you can get caught up in your head on a lot of big stuff. Mm-hmm. It's this weird sensation of like, rush, 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 purchase the building, him working with Piedmont, all these like inner working things that there was a lot going on that I don't think that everybody really knows because everybody was doing their jobs, actually. Everybody was doing their role and playing it to the best they could and communicating Mm -hmm. through that process. But it was a lot of hurry, 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 and then like pump the brakes immediately in certain situations. Like, Mm -hmm. so one of the big things that still, I wouldn't say it's a challenge is to merge a tenured staff with- Yeah younger staff that knows the way that he works. And so tenured meaning we retained Dr. Schubach's staff who were a staff of two, one, our office manager, Pam, who's been there for 31 years and Becky, the front desk slash MA who's been there for 13. And then I brought my squad who I was familiar with. I knew were exceptional from my previous practice. So you got a lot of emotional stuff there. Honestly, I was both aware and unaware of, you know, you put your foot in your mouth sometimes or you miss opportunities. It's been a cool challenge to see just because they know him inside and out. But then me being like around and present and involved allows other people to share stuff with me. And so it's just a cool dynamic to see. And also like not to avoid Pam, the office manager shared. She was like, it felt like everyone was just coming in and taking all the stuff out that had been there for 31 years. Yeah. And that kind of broke my heart a little bit and I wish there was more awareness around it. And I apologize for that. And so it's just cool to see everybody merge and that is still a work in progress and will continue to be, but it's also exciting too, because everyone's learning each other. Yeah. It's an opportunity. I want to talk a little bit about that and your involvement, Heather, and just the culture that you're building right after this break. Do you have a financial junk drawer? Even before I describe it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Just like that proverbial drawer in your kitchen or laundry room, you know the one filled with pens and pencils, screws and duct tape, matches, chopsticks, maybe even an old sock. The drawer filled with things that you didn't know where else they belong. Well, many of us, as we go through life, accumulate a sort of financial junk drawer filled with an insurance policy we bought from a college roommate after graduation, an old 401k that we never moved from an early job, or bank accounts that we opened to get a car loan or mortgage, even though we don't bank with that institution. The more products, accounts, and policies you have, 
the harder it is to create a centralized vision and progress towards the goals that you have. Whether you're working with a professional financial planner or trying to tackle these things by yourself, the more organized you can be, the more effective you'll be at making the changes and monitoring the results towards the goals that you have. If you need help in this regard, click on the show notes below and download our free guide, Five Steps to Organize Your Finances. I can't say it's a fun way to spend a weekend, but you'll be amazed at the progress you can make if you'll just start cleaning out your financial junk drawer. So Heather, right before the break, you were talking about just merging and assimilating the staff and just you being there. So your professional training is interior design. How much are you at the practice or were you, was that daily work for a while? Are you still there quite a bit? Because I know you've developed a relationship with all of the team. Yeah. So I guess leadership development and organizational performance has always been like something I'm very, very interested in and especially in healthcare for different reasons. But I actually had an office at the NC Music Factory that like was a co-working space that's no longer there. And working at home, obviously, is frustrating sometimes. So I actually, the side that we bought, the yellow (laughs) pediatrician side, I'd made a section of that in my office. And I try to be very mindful of like if they're coming in and out of there. But I think that it was interesting because I never felt like I could be involved before, especially because he's a part of Piedmont. And I think other people make, there's assumptions and like, stigmas and social structures that are in place where people are like husband and wife shouldn't really be working together. So I actually had the office manager and one of his staff members that he brought from Wardsville and they were like, you need to insert yourself more. And it was really because they love that I'm there. They love that I have a, I have their back and I'm a part of them. And it does feel like I'm a part of them. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for sure, right off the bat, when I got out of school, I was really not open to Heather, like really being a big part of practice. And so, but he needed all the business coaching on the side Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> for free, for free. Yeah. I owe her a lot, uh, <laughs> truthfully, but over time, and, and especially with this, it's been really awesome. I just completely haven't wanted to for a long time and now embrace her being part of the practice also, because she makes me better. She knows stuff that I don't know times a thousand. I have, I don't even want to imagine what the office would look like if Heather wasn't doing the design. I can only imagine. And it's just been really great. And I think people see more of me also with Heather being there more often. And she just, I don't want to give just give credit to the staff because it's not just because you're from the staff. She's so warm. She brings the staff coffee. She's always so thoughtful, writes little notes to the staff. And I mean, she's just like the most thoughtful person in the world. It makes me more thoughtful because of So it's been really nice to, again, break away from some of that dogma of separate home and work. Right. So it doesn't work for everybody. But for you all, in general, you've been able to, it's worked, it's it's been beneficial. I'm more like strategic, visionary design, business oriented and like the operations of how that goes and the organizational performance type stuff and like truly leadership. And then he's like the deliverer. We have conversations and I'm like, <laughs> go do it. And then he'll go do it. And then it, they just, the buy-in is insane. And I know that if that came from me, even if it were a separate group of people, it probably wouldn't be that way because I don't have that finesse that he has. So we just know our roles. <laughs> it, I think it's a, it's a great point to not only be able to identify your uniqueness, but also then be able to appreciate it and operate within it. Now, with that said, 
I don't think it's, it'd be disingenuous to present that it's always roses all the time, right? Yeah. So where do you butt heads? What are the things that have driven you crazy or where you end up getting stressed or frustrated? Let me preface that by saying like when this happened, both of us were like, we need support in multiple facets. So we got a marriage counselor, we got, I have a therapist, <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of stuff that I means high, high stress and a lot of things happening all at once. And so we did feel the need to do that, but go ahead on where we butt heads. Everywhere. No, I think that I do have a therapist on my own as well. I think that it's able, it's us being able to, one of the best things I've ever heard is that it's assertive style speaking. Our therapist told us that. And having that assertive style speaking really helps, but we were butting heads. What what are you saying there? Assertive style communication. Assertive self. Yeah. Yeah. Assertive style communication. That has been very useful. So we're not taking anything personal when we're sharing and you're just allowed to share it. Now we've been through a lot of things to get there, but we butt heads on boundaries, conflict, and the ability to deal with conflict and how to be aware of conflict and how to communicate that conflict. And I think that until you have those boundaries and you're able to face some of those things, your personal life and your work life can really just like overlap and Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was originally arguing about him bringing home work stuff and then just spewing it everywhere. And then our life constantly became everything about his work. And for me, I've like lost myself a bit. Not I'm usually not that type of a person, but I I was. And I was I'm a very independent person and I'm very opinionated. And I found myself just mopping up the mess that he would bring home essentially. And also innately wanting to help. And having expertise in that area, I wanted to share. And he wasn't welcoming that very much at first. And it took a long time for us to get to a place where we were able to be able to do that. But mm-hmm. I would definitely say conflict, communication, and boundaries. Talk a little bit about the marriage counseling, because I know that's so valuable. And I, I'll personally vouch for it as well. 22 years in a marriage, and, and I've spent a lot of time in a counselor's office. I know a lot of people see it as the stop of last resort or a desperate move or something like that. Scott, it sounds like you almost saw the tidal wave coming and, and took in counseling as a preventative measure a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to tell, you know, and again, five years ago, I wouldn't have told anybody that we were in marriage counseling, because, but now I try to tell people because I've seen that it helps and it gives you that. I mean, it's like it, part of us that we also went through like a coaching program and we're both kind of like, we know that if you work the process, it helps. And so we've been open to that. I mean, it's just something to work on and get you better. I don't know. Two things that popped in my head just now when he was saying that is I had a coaching program. And one thing that that afforded us was the ability to speak the same language that was outside of what we were conditioned to know before we'd gotten married. Give me an example. I married the doctor. Now I'm the doctor's wife that drinks Starbucks and goes to Pure Bar. (laughs) And then I'm supposed to do all the work at home, take care of the stuff. And yet I'm also supposed to be doing whatever that is that my job is at the time, you know, like, cause that's kind of how your things are interpreted. And his was, I'm the male figure. I make all the money. You do all the stuff at home. And that was just like a weird thing. So we went through the coaching program. We were able to speak the same language, for example, is like come from your essence. That's something that we learned in coaching. And that means like, when you come into a room, how are you interpreted by other people? And essentially that's your essence. And when we were able to see each other's essence and speak that word essence in different scenarios, it really just allowed us access to one another. And during the coaching program, 
my coach actually told me, Alice, she said, ride the horse in the direction that it's going. And I think that's really important. Like if you have this, choose the same horse, just ride the horse in the direction that it's going instead of trying to retrain the horse. Is Scott the horse? No, uh, there's just like a horse in between them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's more like because it's it's big, it's really bigger than the practice. What we like to talk about a lot of it is the practice is almost the playground that we kind of bring our thoughts on healthcare together, both from a design and a patient experience and a culture standpoint. I think we'll do things in addition to Pavial Dermatology's walls that also. It's just kind of a platform where we can show people how medicine can be and really rewrite the healthcare experience, even Mm -hmm. at a smaller practice that can be translatable. And like working together as husband and wife. I mean, I'm not employed by Piedmont, but my work is really to support his vision and our vision. And I think when you tell people that you're in therapy, they kind of go, whoa, what is that? You know, like that's one thing. And the other one is like, Oh, you do a lot of work with your husband. Like that's another thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that having on a therapy, ultimately the other thing I want to say is that it taught us to value one another without it being a metric that most people think like how much money he makes or how many tasks or chores are done and just really see what each person is bringing that is in service of our relationship and what we want to create. And because you have close physical proximity, Heather, with your, you know, essentially using part of the space that's in the office and being there, your relationship together and your inner working dynamic, that's very visible to the staff. And Scott, you were talking about just how, how much warmth and care you bring, Heather. I mean, that's, that's almost setting the tone for the culture that we want to have with you and then ultimately with the patients. Yeah. I'm kind of struck by what you were acknowledging, which is, we're trying to set a new way and a new tone, both for, for your, your squad that you brought with you, for the, the team that you inherited, and trying to set that new tone. And it is also real that there can be tension, there can be division, there can be hurt feelings between the old way and the new way. I know you guys are, are both real keyed into leadership and culture and things like that. So what things have you done intentionally or been aware of that you've done to try to bring everyone together and centralize the culture and the focus? For me personally, a couple of like tangible things. I really like getting people to do things that nobody's good at. So I think like cleaning the office, getting all that set up, doing things that nobody has turf over is really helpful as far as team building. And then Heather, you know, had a great concept that I brought to the staff again, kind of one of these walking meetings that we do. And she gives me a great idea. And then I, I bring it to the staff, but like, the concept of unlearning and re like creating from there. So I had a conversation with the staff last week and said, okay, you know, stuff at the fan, everybody brought all their stuff from the old office, stuff from Dr. Shoebox's office. We've got a couple of new hires from other offices. And so now we need to acknowledge that there are ways that we were used to doing things. And now we have to come together and create a new way that we're going to do something. Now that we've got a little traction, how can we create our new way that's actually pavial dermatology and reassimilate and give up some of the, the stuff that we don't want to bring with us? And how are we going to bring in people that we add to the team mm-hmm. when they're bringing more people? That's been really cool to navigate. Um, and then just, I was very poor at seeking the elephant in the room or calling out conflict in the office. And I'm still not great, 
But I really do believe, and I know it works, and I'm still not great at it, but having the difficult conversation before it becomes a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. So calling out the stuff, it's usually, you know, if you trust the person that you have respect for, you can talk about pretty much anything if they know that you generally have their best interests mm-hmm. in mind. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that with everybody, including Heather does it with me, I do it with her. Just have the conversation. You have a deeper relationship that way. And people trust that you're not withholding stuff. And that, that was a mistake I made a lot earlier in my career. I just wanted to be the nice guy. Yeah, there's, I, I remember from a coaching program I was in years ago, the, the mantra was, if you think it or feel it, say it gently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gently is very... Gently is the key well. part. But if you're gently thinking it or feeling it, you've got to say it. You've got to acknowledge what this is gently. It's fascinating to see. I mean, I was in a meeting with Pam and Scott and she was able to share stuff with me. And I immediately looked back at her and I was like, remember what you shared with me? And she said, yeah. And I was like, you need to share that with him. That is the relationship that you two should operate. Mm -hmm. And and the same with him and her. One of my favorite things that Scott has does with his staff and I'm so proud of, because I think it's something that we really believe in. And it's offering a space where people can make mistakes without being penalized or like just scolding or it's very easy to respond in a weird like awkward or frustrating way especially when your numbers aren't where they want to be as a new practice and you knew where they were and despite the pandemic they need to be here because we have to pay all these people it's very easy to respond in a certain way and i think that he does a fantastic job of allowing them to feel like they can fail and or fail and supporting them in that process. Mm-hmm. I love that's one of my favorite things that, that we do. Oh man, I did that. I'll give you a good story. This happened this week. I'll give Daniela a shout out today. So every meeting we have a band-aid award where someone says, I have this mistake. And I try to do that to normalize that everybody makes mistakes. And then we talk about did we need to change anything or was it just human nature? So do we need to change the process? So Daniela sent in a little bit wrong prescription. And ultimately, uh, so then our staff member found out, called Daniela. Daniela then called the patient, admitted her mistake, and made it right by her. And I listened to her make the phone call, and she did an exceptional job. She owned the whole thing. And the patient ultimately had a stronger relationship with us because of it, because we did we owned it. Mm-hmm. I said, Daniela, how did that phone call make you feel? She said, I'm sweating terribly right now. I feel awful. I said, don't forget that feeling. Okay, let it sink in. You've got to remember that. But you also remember that nobody died and that you're okay. Think about it for five minutes and then we got to go forward and you're okay. Don't say things like I'm a loser. I suck. That's not productive. You got to say, I made a mistake. I owned it. I had the conversation and now we're going forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's really powerful too, because there is this thing that permeates in certain physicians offices where everybody wants to make the position happier. Their job is to make his life easier more efficient and ultimately happy. And so it's really cool for him to give them that space. I, I so think so, just from a leadership standpoint to, to humanize, right? We all put our pants on one leg at the time. Yeah. I love, Scott, I love the idea. And I might steal it, the Band-Aid Award, which yeah. is we do make mistakes and it's okay. And we're going to fix it. And then culturally, I'm setting the tone that that's an, oh, this is an okay space, which breeds ultimately the trust. When you build that culture, then the party that benefits the most is not just all of you, it's the patient. And then we find out about the mistakes when they're small instead of people hiding them until you have a big mistake. And, <laughs> ultimate, and ultimately, it allows him 
to be on the same playing field with him because he makes mistakes too. I make mistakes, you know, everybody makes mistakes. And so it builds like integrity and trust within the whole network, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to say one more mistake thing because I think it's really important and I realized it is that the higher you go up, the less people will tell you when you make a mistake. And I say, please, I want you guys to tell me when I mess up. The hardest thing is to get someone to tell you the real thing. So I really respect, I want my staff to be like, hey, that wasn't cool. Or, hey, you messed up there. Please, I love that. I'm totally down with that. Because otherwise, you get a bunch of yes people around you, and you're not getting any better. It's probably our relationship works for better. Yes, you called me. Others <laughs> generally that. willing to help point out. <laughs> I'm like, I, here it comes gently. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> or just here it comes. I make mistakes all the time. Well, I'm so grateful for your time. I think your story, the story of 2020 and the Paviol household is a captivating yeah. one. And I'm struck maybe to just put a, put a bow on it. I'm struck with kind of the evolution of what you all are creating with your skill set and your vision, because there's so much of medicine that's drilled in and it's clinical. Yeah. It's clinical, right? I get, I get 10, 12, 14 years of clinical, 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 and there is more to patient care than clinical. And Heather, it brings in your vision for space and beauty and color and how does it feel? And so I'm building a little, uh, a little PowerPoint in my mind here. I got clinical, I got the, the space and the look and the feel, I got the culture. How is this patient treated? And in some ways, all of that is as important as the clinical care, I think. And so I think it's just a tremendous testament to who you both are, what you're building together, and the impact you're going to make on your patients in your community. So congratulations to you. We want to follow up 2022 and see if we're still feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the, uh, the, the Paviol Dermatology recap in a year. And just, you know, it's still going. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Thank James. you so Thank much. It's a pleasure. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Prosperous Stock Podcast. We do release new episodes every other Monday. So check them out. Subscribe. We'd welcome your reviews. And I love getting emails from you if you're listening and you have a colleague or a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to tackle. You can email me directly, shane at whitecoatwell.com. Thanks. We'll see you back here next time. This episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast is over, but you're not alone on your journey. Spa Dameron Tenney has been helping physicians and dentists prosper through financial planning for over 60 years. To connect with us, visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Join us on the next episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast.